Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 31. Here's Pastor Ryan. So, Father, we come before you again this evening. Lord, we know that your word is holy, as you are holy. Your name is holy. And, Lord, your house is holy. This is holy ground. Father, we need your strength this evening to receive from you your living word. Jesus, you are the word of God. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in a special way tonight. You know every person in this room and those who are watching. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us all, that you would change us tonight through your word, for it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Have your way in our hearts tonight, Lord. Give us a humility that only you can give so that we can hear and then do your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so King Hezekiah, who is a great king of the southern kingdom of Judah, as you know, in uh, First and Second Chronicles, we have the division of, of uh, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel with the ten tribes in the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, the northern kingdom never did good. It uh, fell into idolatry, worshiping uh, the pagan gods of the Canaanites. And so the Lord allowed the Assyrians to take them into captivity. And so in the north, there is no northern kingdom anymore. The king of Assyria has taken them captive. But now King Hezekiah in the south is who the Lord is working through. And he's of the lineage of King David. As you know, when Jesus uh, walked the earth and preached during his ministry, he was referred to as the son of David because he's of the lineage, the kingly lineage of King David. And so uh, the Bible works through uh, the southern kings because that's the lineage of King David. And so Hezekiah, as you know, is a good king. He honored the Lord. He honored the Lord so well that it the the, the writer says it, it wasn't, uh, it, it hadn't been seen like that since King David. So he truly had a heart uh, after God's. And so uh, he immediately takes the, the throne from his father, who was wicked, and turns the southern kingdom around. He restores the worship of the temple. It was in shambles. It was broken down. And he restored it immediately. And... Um, he also, you know, got it up and working again with the Levites and the priests, getting them to do their job again. And so word got out quickly that, you know, this king, the new king is a man of God and he's calling uh, Judah and even those who were a remnant still left, who weren't taken captive in the north to come down and worship the Lord again, like in the old days. And and, you know, the story we, we read about it. Uh, as we went through this book, but so many people came that Jerusalem was was so packed with people. And the people rejoiced greatly because God had done it suddenly. 
It's like, it's as if God was just waiting for the people to desire to get right with him. And once he saw that and saw the effort of the people to get right with him, it's like God turned on the faucet and just poured out a blessing upon Judah. And, and, and like I said, even those from the northern tribe came and they had uh, their first uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover, and celebrated it. And it was going so well that they extended it for a lengthy, a longer period of time. And so there was great joy. And God supernaturally gave them singleness of heart. They, they had this one heart to honor the king's command, to, to honor the leaders and uh, according to the word of the Lord. And so there was this great unity that God bestowed upon them. And there was great joy. And we're told in this chapter, in the beginning, that when they were done celebrating this revival, this first Passover in, in decades, guys, that on their way home, they just began to destroy any idols that they saw, any pagan idols, anything that, that was a dishonor to God, they got rid of it and, and just broke it down. And so it was a very beautiful thing to see the people's hearts back towards the Lord. And so we'll continue here in, uh, in verse Two, it says, and Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites according to their divisions, each man according to his service. The priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve, to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths and the new moons and the set feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And so we see here again, and I know I read this last time we were together, but it's good to just rehash this. It's uh, He's setting everything in order. He has the Levites and the priests, you know, who will do the work of the offerings, the, the burnt offerings, which speaks of, uh, the, the, um, the Hebrews dedicating their life fully to the Lord. That's what a burnt offering represents. So they'll be handling those offerings. And also, um, <clears throat> it's the burnt offerings. And what's the other one here? Um, I'm having one of those moments. Okay, uh, okay. And the peace offerings, sorry, the peace offerings, which really just uh, speaks of, of having peace with the Lord, right? You give yourself fully to the Lord and you have peace with God. And so they're handling those things and it says that they were uh, giving, they were to serve the Lord, they were to give thanks to the Lord and to praise the Lord in the gates of the camp of the Lord. And so, they're, they're set up there for, for everyday service. And it says here that, um, um, that the king himself also provided from his own possession, possessions, burnt, uh, offerings, uh, for the morning and evening offerings, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the festivals. He was just organizing all of that, putting it in place, uh, for the temple to be used on a daily basis. And again, it's a beautiful thing to see this king. What is needed in his kingdom is that the temple is in operation, right? First things first, the temple needs to be in operation 
for the southern kingdom of Judah. He's not first concerned with the economy of the southern kingdom of Judah. He's not concerned with uh, the military might of the southern kingdom of Judah. The first order of business for the nation to be successful is they need an operating temple in order to worship the Lord. His priorities were completely right on. A nation is only as good as their worship to the true and living God. And it's beautiful to see this young king prioritize that. It's not the military. It's not the economy. It's not relations uh, with uh, foreign kingdoms. It's, It's we need to seek the Lord first. And we know that our nation will be blessed if we do so. Nothing has changed today, right? And so we believers, if we want to see our nation prosper, or if we want to see it, I should say, be further uh, uh, given mercy by God so he doesn't destroy America, then it's us who need to be putting God first and seeking the Lord first so that hopefully it works its way up into the halls of Congress. Amen? And so, I love it. The priority is we need a working temple because it is the place where the kingdom of Judah was going to find their true strength. It was where the kingdom was going to find their true peace. It was where the kingdom was going to be reminded of the love of God. It was where the kingdom was going to be able to come together and be reminded of their brotherly love of their connection together. It unified the country and God saw it and he gave them singleness of heart. That's how important our church is as well. If you think about our lives personally, we think, man, you know, it's like, what is a priority in our lives? And, you know, I didn't think of it so much prior to being blessed with this building. God blessed us with this building. You know, we we were able to purchase it. It's ours. It's yours. It's the Lord's. He gave it to you. And so now my, my, um, my thoughts towards the house of the Lord have changed for sure than when we were renting at Hammerling Elementary School. Now it's like, oh my goodness, you know, it's like, how important is this place? How important is this place to you and to me, uh, concerning our well-being spiritually? More than ever. Because if it wasn't, the governor wouldn't have tried to keep us away from this place. But he tried, because the enemy has always been trying to keep us separated. But this place needs to be an operating order. It's so important for our well-being. It really is. In Hebrews 10, when it talks about uh, not forsaking the assembling of one another, The writer says that much more as we see the day approaching, as the coming of Christ is imminent, first to rapture his church, but then seven years of great tribulation, and then he returns to judge the world. It's imminent. And so God says in Hebrews 10, especially now in these last days, you got to come together. Especially now in these last days, this place has become more important to us than ever before. Pray for this temple as they were loving the temple in our story. And if you turn with me to Matthew 6, 
It reminds me of what the Lord said about prioritizing our lives. For the nation, the priority was the temple. Temple before the army. Temple before economy. Temple before foreign relations. The temple needs to be in operating order. And then in our personal lives, so many of us, you know, we, we, we wonder about things that we, you know, want to accomplish and things that we want to get done in our lives. And, and oftentimes that comes with anxiety and worry and, 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 you know, we try to problem solve the things that we have to take care of in our lives. Our lives are complicated. Our lives are busy. And I'm wondering if we're prioritizing putting God first over the things in our life that shouldn't be first. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. King Hezekiah knew that his kingdom needed a lot of things, guys. But what it needed most was to seek God first. And you have things that in your life, you know, you're concerned about. You know, it may be finances. It may be relational. It may be... Uh, you know, something with your, your living or, you know, it may be your health. It may be whatever it is. Make sure that you seek God first. That is the answer to your problem. The answers to our solution is to seek God first. And he will work it all out. You know, seek him early. Spend time with him in your word and in prayer. Lay out before him your problems. And let the Lord every single day guide you in how to deal with it. You know, too often we worry about tomorrow. We worry about the future. There's nothing we can do about it. There's enough time in this day for the troubles of this day. You know, my wife, we're talking about how we shouldn't try to cram so much in one day. You ever try to solve all your problems and, and just pack it in the, in one day, we're going to fix everything in one day. You know, just give it to God. You'll be more efficient. You'll, you'll, you'll take care of more important things if you seek the Lord first. I mean, you think about this king. 
and how much of the kingdom he, he would have to organize and plan and, and, and he, yet he's like, fix the doors of the temple, get all, that's the most important thing. And it is mom and dad for your home. It is all of us in this room for your home. The very best thing that you need is to seek the Lord first as a priority. It isn't all the problems at all. It isn't. Go back to the basics. It is that. Jesus, I, I think of the cross and I think of what he did for us. Even in communion, he said, you know, take this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then the cup, you know, this is the, the, the cup of the, of the new covenant, which is in my blood that is shed for the remission of sins. And how Jesus died on the cross to not only save us, but to help deal with our everyday problems. Seek him. We should be the most, um, we should be the most, yeah, blessed, but the most, uh, you know, keen people as to what God wants us to do. You know, we should be keen because we spent time with the Lord. And we see Hezekiah's great example. He made sure that, that this, the morning offerings were taken care of, the evening offering. He made sure everything was, was where it needed to be. And then it says in, in verse 4, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priest and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. <coughs> That's a beautiful thing there. He um, commanded the people that they would take care of the Levites uh, and the priests financially so that they can be given to the, dedicated to the law of the Lord. And that um, concept still bears true today. Um, the Levites were in charge of, of teaching that good word to the people. And the word of God is so important to the believer how important? Jesus' name is the Word of God. He is the Word of God. It is the most healthiest thing for your life and mine is the Word of God. And so he wanted the Levites to not be all out in the fields farming and, and buying and selling. He wanted them to be able to focus on the study of the Word of God so that they can present that to the people, which is the most healthiest thing for the nation is the Word of God. Nothing has changed. That's why the devil tried to, or pulled the Bibles out of, uh, of schools and prayer and all of that in America because the Word of God is, is that thing by which we stand. It is that thing by which you stand. You want your life to be strong. If you want your life to be healthy daily, it's, it's standing on the word of God. Psalm 19 says that the word of God, it, it, it makes wise the simple. The word of God gives us wisdom. It's, it is a light to our path, a lamp unto our feet. It guides us. It strengthens us. It encourages us. It gives us hope when we're desperate. It, it, it gives us, uh, you know, comfort when we're mourning. The Word of God shows us how to do life. There isn't a problem that the Word of God cannot find the solution for it. The Word of God is everything 
And so he wants those who are, who are teaching the word to be taken care of so that that is uh, given to the people. It reminds me of Acts 6. Turn there with me, please. It'll help you stay awake. Acts 6. Now in those days, in the days of the early church, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Food was being dished out and some to the widows so that they can eat, and the Hellenists were, were the Jewish widows who, who had that, that Greek lean. And, and so the more Jewish widows were getting, you know, extra mashed potatoes and gravy or whatever. And so, and so there was a big to do about that. And so the 12 apostles summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves, listen to this, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Right? We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It is important. God has placed pastors in the body of Christ, pastors, teachers, in order to, to give God's bride, God's flock, the word of God. And it is the word of God that has the capacity to change people's lives. The capacity to bring a sinner to repentance. It is the most important thing that we do as a church is to give the word of God out today. It is by which, it is that thing by which we grow. Peter, uh, in his uh uh, in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word by which you can grow thereby. It is the word of God that causes uh, us to grow. And it is um, the word of God that causes the bride of Christ to be like a chaste virgin, pure and holy and, and God wants his church to be presented to him one day as a, as a, you know, as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And, and that's why it, it, the Bible says, let not many of you become teachers because we are responsible for presenting his people, uh, as pure as we can. And it is by the word of God. There's no other agent that can clean like the word of God. We live at a time where so many churches are neglecting the word of God. So many pastors are afraid to give the truth of the word of God, right? They teach from portions of the word or they just teach John 3.16. It's all about salvation. Every week it's about salvation. There's no going depth into the word of God. And it's like many seeker-friendly churches or seeker-sensitive is a better term that I like because people are sensitive and they don't want to hear all of those truths about God. I just want to, to come to church, tell me how I can be saved, 
And then when I come, and then when I sin all week long and I come back, tell me how I can be saved. And then I do whatever I want. And then I come back and tell me John 3.16 again. It has its, its purpose. It does. The gospel. But we're to be taught through the scriptures so that a family can, can learn a husband how to act towards his wife and a wife to act towards her husband. You don't get that from John 3.16. You got to go through the scriptures. You got you to grow. And then also, you know, how to raise our children and, and how, to, how to behave at work and, and how to save money. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.